Hi, my name is Zach. And I'm Ben. And welcome back to the Movie Vault. Today we are reviewing The Banshees of Inishirin. Is that how you say it? I believe so. Okay. It's a 2022 film. It was nominated for one Oscar. Uh, Maybe I, one, at least one. At least one, because I think it was nominated for Best Picture. Okay, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Uh, and it stars a few different people that have been in the ring before, like Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keoghan, and Carrie Condon. I don't know how to pronounce any of those names. Uh, all great cast. They did a great job. It is a movie basically about these two guys. And what would the official synopsis be from you, Ben? <laughs> I'm trying to remember their actual names uh, before I uh, start because that's kind of Colm? important. Pedrick and Colm. Okay. All right. Pedrick and Colm. So imagine two people, they're best friends, although we never really see them as best friends until we introduce them. We... Uh, at the start of the movie, uh, Pedrick and Colm uh, are in a disagreement, although Pedrick doesn't understand why. And uh, the rest of the movie is uh, a wedge that continues to grow between their friendship as uh, Colm pretty directly tells Pedrick that he just doesn't want to be friends with him anymore. But Colm, uh, but Pedrick is, uh, well, he doesn't have any other friends and he's not as okay with being uh, isolated as calm is so he continues to uh, seek out calm and try to figure out what his angle is or why he's uh, doing what he's doing whereas calm pretty much just actually wants to be alone um, there's also some other characters that are important Sioban uh, is his sister I could be pronouncing that wrong uh, is Pedrick's sister uh, and then Dominic and Pieter Kearney are also uh, a part of this movie. Pieter is um, the local policeman. And oh, it's Shaban. I just remembered Shaban. Shaban is the Chabon. sister. It just it looks weird in writing. Yeah. Um, and Dominic is the son of Pieter. Uh, Dominic is known as like the dumbest person or the dullest person in town, and Pieter is like his abusive father. And we find out in more ways than one. Um, so uh, it all centers around this very quaint but isolated uh, island called Inishirin uh, off the coast of the mainland in Ireland. And, of course, if you don't know anything about Irish history like me, a lot of the things will probably go over your head as far as, like, what's going on on the mainland with the Civil War and um, just w in general what it's like to live on an island in, uh, that's isolated in Ireland, like... It's pretty, uh, for like the typical uh, resident of the United States, it's not a common experience. And there's a lot of like, they use all uh, authentic language and jargon. Um, it's English, but it's definitely a very distinct brand or dialect of English. Um, and, uh, but the, really the point that it starts to get out of hand a little bit is, <laughs> and that was an unintentional pun, is... Uh, <laughs> Colm gets so fed up with Piedric that he threatens to cut off a finger every time Piedric talks to him, which Piedric thinks he's bluffing. So eventually Colm actually does cut off a finger and he cuts off a couple more fingers. And then Piedric is, it continues to kind of spiral in terms of his anger and just realizing like that uh, maybe Solm was, or Colm was not really, 
a guy that he really wanted to be friends with anyway. But uh, it really uh, hits a boiling point when one of the fingers is eaten by uh, Piedric's miniature pony. And so Piedric blames Colm for the death of his pony and then sets uh, Colm's house on fire with warning. Colm knows this is going to happen. And uh, uh, Colm is actually inside when the fire goes off, although at the end of the movie, uh, Colm is still alive, so he must have left the house, presumably. Um, And they talk uh, briefly at the end, and they look in the mainland, and they see the Civil War, and uh, Piedric kind of says, well, there's some conflicts that will just never end, and I think that's the right the right thing and then he just leaves so uh nothing is resolved as far as their conflict and it seems to insinuate that it'll be going on um there's also a little uh side tangent story with shibon as she uh i think kind of realizes that she's around some pretty hopeless depressing people on the island including her brother and she is a lot smarter than them because she reads and spends time learning. So she goes to the mainland to become a librarian eventually, which Piedric is unhappy about, but uh, he would never leave with her. He, he would, he'll stay on the island until she comes back and visits because um, he's a pretty um, set in his ways. There's also a local bartender who's involved in the movie, um, and there is a character... Uh, named Mrs. McCormick, who serves as sort of a, she's not as much of a character as she is like a prophetess almost. Yeah, that creepy lady. Yeah, she's creepy. <laughs> Nobody in the town really likes her. And she says strange things that foreshadow things to come. And she jokes with people and she serves kind of an interesting role in the movie. But overall, it's a, it's a, very uh compared to some of the other movies that were nominated for the oscars it's very focused uh on two people it's a very intimate story um but it is definitely off kilter and goes in directions that aren't expected especially with the finger cutting which gets rather intense and um some of the interactions between the characters that seem uh hyperbolic i guess in comparison to what's actually going on in their lives, in their lives. So, uh, Zach, what was uh, the audience's reaction to this movie? Yeah, there were a couple of things. <clears throat> I think a lot, a lot of the initial reactions by the people who aren't mu- movie viewers are like, "Oh, it was tough watching the mutilation aspect of the film." I think some of it was kind of, kind of, but it, <clears throat> I think the the shocking part about it was when he just threw the finger against the door. When he found the finger in the plant when he opened the door. Um, when Colin Farrell's character Piedra was it Piedric did uh but I think it's kind of more of a shock factor like oh he actually did it uh so I'm not sure that I think it was crucial to the plot and obviously it was because it's the thing that actually destroys the relationship and causes the donkey to die stuff like that uh but that was kind of a thing that's in all of the reviews that I read (laughs) so that that was just kind of a tough thing to watch um, a lot of people reigned it as like this masterpiece, this thing that someone compared it to Citizen Kane even. just Wow. One of the first Google reviews on up on there is, uh, he says, I, I watched it in the theater and I remember just having this feeling just like I would imagine someone would have coming out of Citizen Kane in 1941. Well, it was nominated for nine Oscars, so well, the that Oscars was, had a feeling about that too. Oh, well, I'm glad 80 years later someone can say something similar, but 
I don't know. I highly doubt that as we just reviewed Citizen Kane pretty recently. Um, but yeah, I think as a character film, it's it's really, really good. Uh, I gave it four stars out of five. Uh, I, I could have given it four and a half easily, but I didn't. And I think the aspect of this, this is just an, a depressing, horrible, terrible island that people are on and they just have to live their lives. Nobody has real jobs. They're just kind of moving around and schmucking around doing nothing. And I think people slowly start to realize that starting with Calm getting to... Calm kind of, I feel like, convinces... Uh, uh, <clears throat> What's her name? Siobhan. Siobhan. <laughs> um, in the same way, you know, he twice throughout the movie, he goes, I think, I think you know what I mean, you know, this dread. And the priest kept asking, how is the, you know, how is the despair? How is that going? So I think that's kind of the root of where this is. Um, but yeah, I think the audience particularly liked the, liked Colin Farrell and uh, Brennan Gleeson as they are just, you know, feuding with each other, just like, uh Yeah. Just like the Irish stereotype, and it's, it's interesting because he is uh, Brendan Gleeson is actually an Irish actor. I don't know if Colin Farrell actually is. I th- Colin Farrell. I think everybody in this movie is Irish. Okay, so is which just- makes sense because they all do so well with the Irish dialect that you're like, there's no way that they're not. I I didn't. I checked on the main actors. Let me check on Carrie Condon. Yeah, and this is a movie that you requires subtitles. <laughs> yeah, Some things are just hard to understand. You kind of get used to it, but like the way that things are said are just like it's like backwards of what would typically be said. I, I can't even really attempt a set a sentence because, um, yeah. So Carrie Condon is an Irish actor, so okay. like every all the main characters, and probably it would be even more likely that the side characters would be. So it's very authentic, and I and I even assume Martin McDonoghue, if or. If, Martin McDonough I don't know how to pronounce his name but but I would even assume that he is he's a British Irish playwright so I guess maybe he has some ties to the the main to Britain too but uh yeah it's very authentic in that aspect yeah and I think the Colin Farrell and uh uh Brandon Gleeson have some chemistry already in other in other movies I think they um what is it? The Bruges in in, in Bruges. Bruges in Bruges. Bruges. Oh, I was reading the Bruges. Yeah, in Bruges. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think they have chemistry from that, and I guess it was pretty similar. Um, I haven't seen the movie. I know that's that's one that's like very like certain people will be like, oh yeah, it's such a great movie, but it's not one you hear about a ton. Yeah, the other movies by this guy are like Seven Psychopaths. Uh, I remember what is it? Three Billboards off of out of Evans, Missouri, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember that one when it was like nominated. That was like before I watched movies, but when I started to pay attention to like the Oscars and stuff, yeah. I was like, oh, this is strange name. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Martin McDonald is kind of known for the Oscar bait movies specifically. Uh, this one was actually nominated for nine Oscars. Didn't win yeah. any, unfortunately. Wow, none. Everything Everywhere All at Once stole, I think, one in every single one of those nine that it was nominated for. Something uh, interesting. Like that. So. You think that everything everywhere should have lost th- this? No, no. I think I like this movie better, but I think that everything everywhere all at once is a better best picture because it's flashy. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I don't know. I just think it's hard to say. I guess for sure because what does really make a best picture? Maybe if I, like if I was gonna vote for best picture, I'd probably vote for this one. Okay. Yeah. Of I the think, ones I've seen, I think I might as well. I think this movie really gets the characters right. I think just the breakdown and demolishing of this relationship is almost beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost a great thing that you want to happen. 
you almost want his, him to cut his fingers off at the beginning, even though you cringe at the fact that he does it. You almost kind of want to like, oh, I kind of hope that Colin goes back or, uh, you know, Padraig yeah. goes back. And you can't decide who you're like on their side because sometimes one person will be like, do something that you're like, that's completely idiotic and mean. And then all of a sudden the other person's doing something that's completely idiotic and mean. And then you switch. You're like, sure. maybe that person has a point. <laughs> well, you almost wonder if uh, Brennan Gleason's character has some ulterior motives besides he wants to be left alone. Like he has this larger, uh, more sovereign plan that he was, he's enacting to teach a lesson or it's because he has something more important going on behind the scenes. But you sl- it slowly gets revealed that it really is just face level and he doesn't want to be friends with this guy anymore because he thinks he's stupid. Yeah. And that's really the whole premise. And you start to realize like, oh, this guy who I didn't really know and I thought could have a better plan than this isn't really a great of a guy as I thought. And you start to see this really nice guy, as they like to say, kind of deteriorate as it goes on and becomes kind of jaded because he loses trust in the people that he loves and his, his donkey dies and his sister leaves and his only other friend uh, dies, but he seems to not even care about that, to be honest. And think about what is Piedric's uh, number one characteristic about himself. I guess it's just niceness. Right? Yeah, he's nice. Yeah. But by the end of the movie, you're like, I, I don't know that this guy's nice. Yeah. Or what? Like, and then you you question like, was he ever nice? Hmm. Like, what is what does it mean to be nice? I guess is a, something that is a, maybe not. It's maybe not the deepest theme of the movie, but it certainly is there. Sure. So a quick theme that I thought about was just how, how stubborn do you have to be to not want to be friends with someone so badly that you just kind of cut off your fingers? You know, I, I've, I've, I've not wanted to be friends with many people in my life, but you kind of just put up with it. And I'm guessing it's he's getting older. He's older than uh, Piedrick. I'm going to say his name wrong the entire time, but uh, he's older than him. And he's just kind of figuring out like, oh, what is my life going to mean at the end of this? Sure. And then the the way that he solves that is by setting up this system where he slowly loses his grip on how he's going to change the world. Like he loses fingers, which are the very things that he needs to write viol- write, you know, write music and play the, what is it? The violin. Yeah. Um, and, and to change the world, as he said, that's the only outlet he had. So maybe toes would have been a better option or something else, yeah. but he seems to just go down this self-destructive path. And you kind of realize by the end of it, that it really is just despair he puts on this face that he's ending the relationship because he wants uh, Patrick to stop talking to him because he's dull, because he has to, you know, make a difference in the world. But really, he has—he's just this lonely, depressed, you know, desperate person who really doesn't care if he is in the house when it's burning down or if uh, he cuts off his own fingers and walks away nonchalantly. And there's got to be something to be said about how he. He's basically telling Patrick, I'm more willing to lose my ability to do the thing that I love, which is play music, than to be friends with you. <laughs> like, like that's, that's how he's trying to show him because he's like, Patrick, I've been telling you, I don't want to talk to you. Like, in some ways, you have to commend him for being direct because like, mo- like you said, most people are like, I don't want to really be friends with this person, but I'm just going to do it anyway, which you could argue is the right thing to do. But aside from that, like people generally aren't that direct. They usually have more subtle, more manipulative ways of trying to not be friends with people than to just tell them, I think you're boring and I don't want to be friends with you. So you almost have to be like, well, he's being very honest with Piedric, but then he's like, well, I'm being honest with my words and you're not listening to the, you won't believe those. So now I'm going to show you with my actions and I have to come up with something drastic enough that you realize just how much 
I don't want to be exactly. friends with you. And it's almost kind of sad because at first you feel bad for Podrick or whatever his name is. I'm gonna, I'm just going to say Podrick and stick with yeah. you. And you almost feel bad for him at the beginning, but then you realize, like, why does he keep going back? Stop. Please stop. And you get so, you kind of get a little nervous and angry, like, no, this this shtick where if you ha- you're confident and just barge in his house and knock on the door and just walk in, that's not going to work. He's still going to cut off his fingers, and he fell for it every single time. He cut off his first finger, his pointer finger on his left hand, and then he cut off the other four right away. <laughs> he said, he said, now I'm moving it to four. Yeah. I'm just cutting <laughs> off all four. Which makes it... <laughs> Which makes me like his character, because I think as soon as he said, you're dull and I need to do something, I, I kind of started to not relate. That would be dumb. That would be very selfish to relate to that. But, you know, the sinful side of me kind of related to that, like, oh, yeah, like, I kind of understand what you're saying <laughs> yeah. now. But it also made, and then in the middle of the movie, you kind of start to realize, like, okay, maybe you're, you you start to understand these characters well. And pa- Podrick uh, is kind of just this he's so sweet and you want he you want him to become friends with him again you want him to finally succumb to his plea and you also are kind of like he's cutting off his fingers podrick don't go back yeah and you're kind of trying to balance that throughout the movie so it's kind of nice where you it's not just there's not just this character that is doing something wrong and there is but they both seem to be taking things too far and then an unintentional thing happens and then it gets worse and it's forever impossible yeah. for that relationship to be restored. Because Piedric, he doesn't exactly have no one um, because... Yeah, he has his sister, but it's kind of just... I don't know. You can't... He, he's not going to like relate on another level with his sister. His sister's this reader and kind of like a... Um, like a more of a smart person, a non-dull, as you could say. But his... Uh, when it comes to him and uh, what's Brendan Gleeson's character, what's his name again? Oh, Colm. When Colm. it comes to him and Colm, people said that they were kind of unevenly matched when they were friends. So it's not surprising that they're yeah. not. So I, I understand what you mean. Like he, he doesn't have no love, but he kind of loses all that love right away. And you yeah. can't just have like your sister. You can't just have like your friend even. It's just kind of, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, I think I was starting to say like he has Dominic, but Dominic has problems of his own and <laughs> i don't think anyone cared about dominic to yeah which is so. sad dominic was pretty much the 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 runt of society in this movie because <laughs> he's viewed as creepy by which well, he is creepy so that's kind of fair by shio shiobon shaban shaban i can't no we can't <laughs> say any of these names and then he's literally he's beaten and molested by his dad who's yeah. the police officer of the town imagine that like yeah. person who's supposed to be upholding justice in the town which by the way that he deals with uh piedric too by like literally beating him up you get the sense that like the style of policing and everything in this he's town the is only like, he's the only police officer <laughs> he's the only police officer which means he has all the authority and power i guess um and nobody seems to care that he beats his son no because i don't think anyone cares about dominic no in fact for as nice as she seems she I can't say Shaban. 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 I just need to keep saying it so I say it right. Shaban. Uh, she all, like doesn't want him to be in the house, like even though she. Knows, but then I guess he is hitting on her, so that doesn't exactly. And he finally like shoots a shot, but he like when he shot like, a shot that was sweet though. Yeah, it was. He he wasn't like uh, like he did it in a sweet way. It was romantic instead of sexual which you kind of wondered at the start of the movie based on how he was talking to Piedric, what his actual intentions were. But um, obviously it wasn't going to work out. Like they were, I mean, 
he's a lot younger than her. She is not thinking you about don't have to that. Explain, yeah. It just doesn't make <laughs> sense. And, and like you feel bad for him, but also you understand that like this is, would just never work. But even he <laughs> finds a tragic end, which you're, is kind of ambiguous where Dominic is um, found in the lake, meaning, uh, and I think Piedrick says he must, he must've like accidentally fallen into the water, but there's also, it's left open that he could have committed suicide, which they reference at one point, like somebody jumping into the lake or something. And like, you kind of get the feeling that a lot of people are depressed in this town and like suicide is not super uncommon. And, and uh, Pieter or whatever, the, the police officer also references a guy who stabs his wife six times. Yeah. So there's like the, the protection for like domestic violence isn't really that high. Tensions can get out of hand, it seems like. And people focus on really, really small disagreements and like really hold them against each yeah, other there's no there's no content there's gossip going around the post office she gets mad at people when they don't like bring in the gossip the post office lady like so just the whole environment of the island is just all these relationships that are like yeah. people who are like tearing other people down and just like it's it, over uh, toxic is an overused word but it kind of seems like that it's funny because you have the spectrum of dis- distraction like tons of distractions and no distractions this is on the no distractions end of the spectrum whereas the society we would live in is the multiple distractions most distractions possible on the spectrum and either way you get nasty gossip you know yeah and it's not that necessarily the amount of distractions determines how sinful man is but it's that you can kind of see that no matter what it's not the distractions it's us so that's what it made me think of like during this in this society that's bleak and uh low numbered and yeah just isolated from the rest of society they don't even know what's going on with the war that's a huge war that's (laughs) ripping apart the country and people don't even know about it and it's it's interesting that they're just living their lives as if as if it's normal yeah and they're what their normal is is having a few friends and a couple guys i would get so sick of that and that's because i've grown up with more people and i think it also shows that like humans need good relationships in general or, you know, suicide rates will increase. You know, yeah. we saw that in COVID even. So I think it's interesting that that aspect is shown pretty clearly. And I'm wondering, is this a, re- is this a real place? Am I stupid to ask that? <laughs> I, I, that is, that's actually a very good question. I ne- didn't even spend that much time thinking about it. Do you think there are islands like this? Y- yes. There, I think there has to be islands like this. Otherwise, I don't think this movie would have been made in the way it was. Like this feels, I don't, it feels like it could be in some. Feels accurate. <laughs> feels like it exists somewhere no, no inishirin is not an, a real island okay. but there are uh irish more irish man it's literally called irish man with two a's and inishir are real islands okay so and those are the three island. largest islands on the west coast <laughs> of ireland yeah. so so yeah he probably just combined them yeah so this is remind this reminded me of the show lost have you ever seen that? I've not seen it, but it's like they're on an island and they have. Yeah. There's a few of them. There's like twenty of them. So. Or Gilgan's Island, <laughs> with uh, a Jack Black or their book. <laughs> Wait, I'm talking about. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, the mind. old TV show. Okay, never mind. I'm thinking they changed the name and did a movie with Jack Black. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. Never mind. That's stupid. The the movie was stupid. The this this reminded me of that show because a lot of the drama in the show was pretty petty, but it, you know, a lot of times it was life and death, and in the same way, it's like this, like. Life and death, if someone dies, they don't care that much. But then they care about the petty little things, like you just said. So 
I think it's just kind of like when you don't have any distractions, these are the arguments that will come up. They'll always come up in no matter what in, uh, in what society. But it's it's interesting just that this is the way that they form. This is the way that uh, they manifest is through these petty disagreements. It will always be petty. But, you know, the disregard for life is still there. The pettiness is still there. But they're just walking around with five of them. You know, you see the same people every day, your brother and sister sleeping in the same room with no plans for the future, nothing. It just seems so weird. The days aren't segmented. You just go to the pub when the bell rings at two. It's just. You you drive the cows, you sit around. Yeah. You're like, I didn't even know that he did anything at the start of the movie. I thought, like, I was like, he doesn't have a job. That's what but I then said. I realized, oh, he sort of has a little bit of a job moving the cattle around and stuff. I think and, you just live. Yeah. It, I mean, in some ways, this is some people's what they how they think that you should live, right? Because uh, it's like there's not really a lot of work. You don't have a ton of stuff, but you kind of share collectively, I guess, because everyone's sort of bartering with each other. I'm sure they feed a little bit off selling stuff to the mainland, but but like basically, you just get to sit around and drink and uh, like. Commi- com- like have community all the time. I thought you were about to say commit suicide. No, well, I mean, I guess that is one option. But everybody seems to like each other. People yeah, in the bar. I mean, yeah, but you start to see that it could be fragile. But it's also just that, like, if there's something that happens that does break a friendship, it's like there's not anybody else to turn to because those are the only people that are there. You and I know that we went to a very small school. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of similar. Where, yeah, you know, if you break up with your girlfriend in your high school class, you're stuck with her. You can't avoid her and get a new friend group. That no, is because everyone's in, the, everyone's in the same classes exactly. pretty much. You have to see each other. So that's why this is impossible. And we have, we easily avoid these things. And I think um, Dominic said it. Is he 12? Like, yeah. Is, what is wrong? And you start to wonder, like, this man really is kind of fragile. But then you kind of feel for him because you realize he really is this that sad, lonely person who doesn't think his life means anything. And in 50 years, no one will remember him. And that, <laughs> that's where we're led to believe that this movie uh, – uh, will go but you know after the fingers were cut off by his own system that he set up it, that dream is over that he can be remembered so yeah it's a depressing movie it's dark it's also hilarious it's like a comma tragedy as they call so yeah i don't know what, what do you think about the acting i thought the acting was so good now it, it helps that they're all irish but i have no idea like it seems like it would have still been difficult to like pull off this exact like dialect like i don't know how they what dialect they typically speak or if this is similar or different or anything like that but it seems like it would have been challenging um i mean i've seen colin farrell and plenty other stuff and he like never talks like this but then he could be just talented and just be able to switch to whatever is appropriate for whatever movie i mean he was he was in the batman i mean he kind of does everything he's an independent he's in the lobster um what else? I've only seen those two where he's in. Have um, you seen others with him? Killing of the Sacred Deer? Killing of the Sacred Deer is is probably, my, like, I really like him in that one. Um, trying to figure out whether, like, a lot of his early movies, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not familiar with these as much. But he's going to be in the next Joker movie. Oh, seriously? The, with the, the pe- as the Penguin? Yeah. Interesting. He was in Horrible Bosses, which I, I've not seen. Wait, he's, he's going to be in, wait, wait, wait. Jo- Joker 2 Full I Do. He's going to be in it. So he's I, in Joker too. Yeah, but, but I don't, he's the Penguin in in Matt the Batman. Rose's but Batman. I doubt he's he. It's possible he's the Penguin, 
That would make but no it sense. Seems, there are two separate jokers. It in seems that un- then. yeah, it seems unlikely that that's what they would do. Because actually, what's funny is Barry Keoghan is the Joker in the Matt yeah, Reeves Batman. In the Matt Reeves Batman, and Barry Keoghan is also in the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, that's and right. he's very good. Like that's probably his what I would consider to be his best. You don't performance. think his Eternals yeah. role was his best? Um, oh, that is really good. <laughs> Just joking. Man. Okay. I, I do think... Oh, I saw him in 13 Lives. He was oh, a, he's in that. He's in that movie. I watched that for a class. And he's 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 never been with the Vigo, main character with of Vigo anything, Morrison. has he? Well, I mean, I guess he hasn't been the... I'm trying to think, like, what his... Well, Saving Mr... No. He's only a supporting actor, to my knowledge. Yeah, I think in the bigger movies, he's typically a supporting movie. Do you think it'll be like a Miles Teller where it'll probably take until his late 20s to finish? Oh, he's already older than that. How old is he? He's got to be in his 40s at this point. Who are you talking about? Colin Farrell. Oh, I was talking about Barry Keoghan. Oh, Barry Keoghan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yeah, of course, Barry Keoghan. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he is. In, he's different than Miles Teller because I don't think he'll ever be, like, in a role similar to Miles Teller. Like, he'll never be like the cool guy, unless he like really. He'll be the because he's be always the independent actor in the artistic. Yeah. Movies. Yeah, he will be. He'll be like Joaquin Phoenix. I think that's a okay. good arc for him, because he always has a very like eccentric delivery kind of like i'm a little unstable a little uncomfortable you saw that in this movie he's in the killing of the sacred deer he's he's like a little bit more menacing and like off-putting even um yeah i mean you really just have to see that movie to see like why uh, he was also in dunkirk which i don't really remember I remember Dunkirk, but I don't really remember his. But another supporting actor role. Yeah, but he was a supporting actor in that too. So I'm wondering if the only difference between him and Miles Teller and maybe even Joaquin Phoenix would be he's starting out pretty young to be in these artistic movies and be a breakout character and kind of a character that stands out. Only because in this movie, I thought he was one of the best actors. Um, Yeah. I think Colin Farrell probably is the best actor in this one. I would say Barry Keoghan is the second best. Yeah. Brendan Gleeson just didn't get a lot of his... the what he was directed to act like was a lot more like stoic just because of his character. So he did, he did good, but it, it's not never going to grab your attention as much as the other mm-hmm. characters. Yeah, you're right. He was written that way. And maybe he stands out. I haven't seen him in others, so I can't really judge him like that, but it's, I think whenever I see Barry Keoghan, I always remember that he's in that movie. It's True. not, he's not a forgettable character in any sense. And I think every role he's had, he's done pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would even say, you know, the Eternals was a terrible. It was written terribly, but I think he did he did pretty well in that as well for his for his dull character. <laughs> but yeah, I think <clears throat> he'll be an actor that will become mainstream pretty fast. I think in the next five years he'll be in a role not as big as Miles Teller, sure, but I think in ten years he will be. Yeah, and I think beyond that he'll be yes, maybe a Joaquin Phoenix type. He'll never be the Brad Pitt. You're right, but he could be a, a good in between. I think he'll be more mainstream than Joaquin Phoenix. I think he'll be less big, but big movie than uh, Leo or Brad. Yeah. I think the question is, uh, yeah, I don't think I also see some, something like, I don't think he's a character actor or like you, I don't, I don't know for sure. I guess I didn't read whether or not he was like a character actor, but like somebody like um, Daniel day Lewis, you almost could see, I'm not sure he has as much enough range to do what Daniel Day Lewis did, but like, there's just a lot of potential there that he could be really, actually, one of the greats. I think think he could be a lead, is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's a lead and elite, like elite and elite, an elite lead, an elite lead, an elite. Like 
if you were making a big artistic movie, whatever that means, like everything everywhere all at once, like kind you're, of. you're like Martin Scorsese, somebody who like bridges the, the gap between commercially successful and artistic movies, mm-hmm. then which he's going to be dead by the time we're talking about this, probably, unfortunately, yeah, just because he's like 80 years old. He's directed a new one. It's <laughs> crazy. Maybe he'll never die. But, but, um, they'll make, but AI if you're somebody like right, that, still... <laughs> who, can, who can do that, you, you would like want to bring Barry Keoghan into your project, I think is what we're saying. Yeah, I think you're right about the Daniel Day Lewis comment. I think they won't write roles for Barry Keoghan like they do Daniel Day Lewis. Like they wrote that Lincoln character for That's true. Him. Maybe not yet. He hasn't done anything to prove that they should do that yet. Yeah, I'll always leave it open, but I I also don't think he'll get to that character actor status. Like oh, right, right. He's also not insane. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, by all accounts, is like very committed to most of his things. But the thing about Barry is that he really is a likable actor, and I think he, he can open up himself pretty quickly. He was born in 1992, so that'd make him, what, 30? Is he that old? Yeah. I would have thought he was younger. He just has a young face, though. Yeah. And that, I mean, he, he looks a little strange anyway. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. He's just, he looks, yeah, he does have a, kind of a baby face. But yeah, it, and I think in this movie particularly, he stands out because he really is a genuine character who is kind of fleshed out in a good way because they make him seem creepy at first, like a dull, stupid side character who's just there for com- yeah. comedic relief and levity. But then by the time he asks out uh, Siobhan and... Uh, even kills himself you kind of realize like wow this is a good character this is a character that at the dinner table when he was talking with P- Padrick, uh oh man like it'll be okay man like he's serious about it and he'll he's always like there for him and he's like you know cursing at the guy who wronged his, his friend you know he's the guy who's pretty loyal um so i think that's why he's likable that's a writing aspect that's not a berry aspect but i think the way that he portrayed it was uh added to the writing just because he he <laughs> His mannerisms, like the way that he would like look up and down and not make eye contact and kind of stutter all the, and be all over the place, and you could tell that his character was written to be uneducated and uh, kind of dull in some moments, as they stated. And it, it's nice to see him t- portray that in a way that's endearing, so that it's genuine because you know that he's not putting up a front like these other characters are. These, yeah, he knows exactly who he is. He he doesn't pretend because when he knows when he finds out that Shaban reads books, he gets he's like, oh man, come on. Because he knows himself. He knows he's genuine about it. Yeah. He knows that he's not all that. And he, he values what who he is. I think he's the, the foil of uh, uh, Podrick because Podrick is kind of, he's told that he's nice and that it's good quality by some people, but he doesn't like that. He, he, kind of, he says, oh, I, you just told me that I'm, you know, the nicest of them, the nicest of the men, but that seems like the worst thing ever right now. And he, he says, I used to think that was good. So he's kind of not confident in himself, whereas Dominic is very confident in himself because... He he even gets on uh, Podrick's back when he like gets in his case in his face even where that rhymed but he went, gets in his face when he says uh, that he told that one guy who's coming to visit like to get music lessons from uh, Colm and he told him to go because his his mom got hit by or his dad got hit by a red van red apparently van. his mom which got his hit. mom did which is <laughs> what a coincidence there's that, no way he knew that that was hilarious but uh, yeah for me that was cool because. Uh, you know Dominic's character is so like okay with himself and who he is that he got mad at him and said like oh you're not acting yourself you're I thought you were the nice guy and he gets mad at him and goes away and that's the last time that they kind of talk true so I think Dominic is more than a character who's just there for comedic relief and you know asks out a girl and kills himself when she says no that you know it could be like a meta joke but 
really, I think he really is uh, to show the downfall of Podrick and the, you know, the, just kind of the selfishness of Colm and how uh, Podrick is becoming like Colm, kind of jaded and not nice, particularly. So Yeah. I think, so I came up with a another reading on this film that is maybe should never be considered the main reading of the film, but it's an interesting one that oh, they reference at the what end. Is it? Go ahead. So they reference at the end the Irish Civil War, and it's throughout the movie you see them go onto the beach and there's cannon fire. And so I was wondering whether this is like a this whole movie is sort of an overarching critique of the Irish Civil War that was going on in 1923. Um, yeah, I think, which again goes back to when this film was set. So I assume this assume this was set in like 1923 i thought it was 1921 1921 okay yeah so so uh i don't know much about the irish civil war but from what they said in the movie it seemed to be a conflict that was between two different warring factions of the ir like the ira who would be known for some other stuff in the future and then but what and do you then, mean, and, go into detail i don't get that. and then another group but it's like what were they fighting over? It was probably something that was petty and there's two groups. And remember the one guy was like so excited about executing people. So like the relationship between the two men in the movie is also <clears throat> symbolic of the civil war that's going on yeah. on the mainland in like an isolated smaller group where one person does one thing and then another person retaliates and it keeps getting higher till somebody's burnt somebody's house. So like there's full on war hmm. and then, the war never gets resolved. Maybe and it there's keeps something going there. On and on. Maybe there's like an idea there for sure. I don't, like I said. I'm wondering I don't what think the it's... specific representations would be, such as the police officer, where he's the one who likes executions. He but doesn't he doesn't represent... care because he he he's profiting off of the so war. So he's the government. Yeah, he's he's not the government. He's like the arms dealer. Like he's okay. the person profiting off the war. He doesn't care what the side. He couldn't. Is. You don't think he would be the Irish government? Well, th there wasn't a government. That's why there's a civil war. I mean, like there was the, a government, but there's I, somebody fighting against nobody. The pro but who would be the profiteers? The arms dealers only. I don't. know. I mean, I suppose the government could be profiting off the war. Okay. I I don't know enough about the Irish Civil War to really yeah, go too in depth with I can't this. Can't memorize every civil war. So yeah. So I was just. <laughs> that I was just. Sounded demeaning. <laughs> I was just wondering whether whether there was something there, like even if it was. It was uh, like a subtle, like sort of thing. It might not even be subtle because they reference the Civil War so much. Yeah. But it's not. I mean, it's not that you can find a direct reference to every single thing. But it's more like, here's an example of individual people and their Civil War, and then it's like in the background, there's an actual Civil War going on. Yeah. There's you know, it's just to show that maybe these characters are do represent a side of the war, and like it was they're trying to point out that it was petty. I think you could be right. There might be something in there. I just don't know who, you know, Podrick would be and who Colm would be, like what type, what groups of people those would be because I'm not familiar with the war. But like it could be, theoretically, it, it could be exactly that. It was the Irish, the IRA versus the um, provisional government of Ireland. And it was after the Ir the Irish War of Independence against the mainland. Did one which of them just refer cut the other off? Which he references because he says that it was great when they were all together and they were all killing the British. Remember that? Yeah. And then, so that did actually happen, of course, in history. And then there was this uh, Irish Civil War soon after because obviously you go through the 
you go through the oh we're revolutionaries but then you're like oh wait shoot we have to set up a government but then not everyone's happy so then there's another group that like wants to fight against that and then there was like a guerrilla phase and other stuff i don't know that there's any references to people cutting off fingers but it seems like to make any sort of like really cohesive argument about how much this references the irish civil war you would you would have to like do a really deep dive into history that'd be a fun video essay but then you might you might do all that research and realize that it isn't really that similar and <laughs> maybe be kind of disappointing or you could just shoehorn it in and just really i could just try to shoehorn that that is the main point of, not even the main point in the movie but a point in the movie now i think the biggest question coming away from this movie is why did Colm do that do what why did he cut him off yeah um well i think that's pretty obvious why because because he was boring and he re- he was depressed and he realized me spending time listening to this guy because from what it sounded like he didn't do much of the talking um yeah and Pedrick he- did all of the talking so he was just gonna waste all of his time listening to Pedrick for the rest of his life until he died and he wasn't and he didn't think Pedrick was going to change and all of a sudden become a an asset to him he did kind of have a maybe a little bit of a utilitarian view of people where it's like oh this person's not really doing anything for me but But, i think that the movie tries to show that that's not the reason i think yeah because i think that's what colm says but i think the movie over time where he hints to shaban like you know what i mean not talking about um uh, Padrick's dullness more talking about like what is the point of all this yeah like there's a a bigger there's an external internal agent conflict. rather than his him talking with his dull friend so I think him cutting off that I think it was just like a shield of like oh man there is this despair there's this empty void and I don't want someone who's so nice in my life <laughs> and niceness for him is dull and I think that's actually I, I genuinely think and you can it's fine if we disagree but I genuinely think that's what the movie was pointing at like in on like a factual sense because there are many moments where his actions wouldn't make sense if he actually thought his friend was dull and he puts on the show to everyone in the town where he'll say things out loud like he's never been so i've never like maybe i'm starting to like him again you know stuff like that and he only does it with the people that he wants them to think that way um that's true and he also talks to talks to him when it's just him but not in front of people. So like when it's just him in the house, he'll talk to him a little bit. He'll still cut off his fingers because he has this internal despair. But I think it's an external thing that's kind of doing it. Because especially when he says like, Siobhan, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you know what I'm talking about? Because she says, do you ever get lonely? You know, and I think that's what he's hinting at. Like I think he knows that she's lonely as well. So loneliness wouldn't cause him to cut off his friend, would it? So I think there is something external going on as well. I, yeah, and- yeah, you're right. Because his... <sighs> He could, he could do, if he really just didn't care about this guy, he wouldn't go to the lengths that he did, right? Like the action that he takes doesn't line up. Like he could say, oh, he's bothering me. So now I need to take drastic action. But like he could do other things that would be way more. Yeah, exactly. Like literally just ignore him and not talk to him and not answer him. And like, what would he do? Like eventually you would think that Pedrick, despite his, um, tenacity would eventually give up if if he just like if he didn't say like if Colm didn't say anything and we do see that it's not that he doesn't care at all because there's moments where he sees Pedro get beat up and he still helps him 
and then his horse dies and he actually feels bad about the horse dying because he didn't mean at first i didn't pick up on that he ate the finger i must not have seen the shot well or something i didn't uh, pick up on that the horse horse ate the finger oh, he, and i he was like pulled it out of the mouth of the horse you, you might have missed that i, mu- I must have missed that like yeah. devered my eyes for a second but because it didn't make sense to me i was like what comb all of a sudden is just like uh, like murdering his horse i was like wow this took it to another level <laughs> but then i realized oh it was an accident so then that like i was like okay because then it would be that would change your whole perspective on Colm if he were to have actually maliciously murdered the horse. And it really isn't. It really isn't Podrick's fault. So you do feel bad for him. None of this should have happened to him. Uh, but he does become jaded because of these events. So it kind of also shows like nurture is a part of. <laughs> yeah. You know his nature might be nice, but his after these events he he becomes pretty jaded. Another thing I thought was, <clears throat> although their relationship never resolves. It kind of resolves the storyline and like, yeah, Combs' decision is what happened and that's going to be what it's going to be for the rest of their lives. And I think it kind of res- stays on that just because I think the resolution was when he burnt down the house and saw his friend in there and still walked away. I think that was the resolution. I think there's there's an epilogue at the end where they talk on the beach, just you know further confirming that resolution. But I think it was a resolution and it concludes the story because... I think that's just the end effects of his decision. And he never once changes his mind. You never even see him falter on his decision, Colm's decision. So I think it's just he made a decision, and there really isn't a story. It's just showing what's playing out. There yeah. really isn't like... Well, you And you never see before. So the whole story just plays out after this, this decision has been made. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of interesting part. Also, but I thought, to, to your point about nurture, like, Pedrick like his level of drastic action is almost more insane because he rides away from the house after seeing Colm in it and you realize he's okay with murdering this person. Mm-hmm. Like he has gone from I am a nice person to being like I am murdering this person and I am okay with it. It really didn't take much. No, it didn't. One friend. No, that's and that's the thing. You're like, it makes you question sort of Piedrick's, I mean, he certainly, he just, he seems like somebody who doesn't, He's like a bag in the wind more than he is. Like there's really no moral or anything that's keeping him grounded. Just this loose sense of like, like I treat people well, so they treat me well. And so once that's challenged, like once he treats people well, quote unquote, and they don't treat him well, then all of a sudden, like he like spirals out of control. So that's kind of an interesting thing to see too. Yeah. And that part never resolves is like, his character is just going to be like this forever maybe. And we were led to suspect yes, but you can't imagine that he'd be like that forever. Cause he, he still tried a lot for his friend Colm. He did. He went out of his way so many times and you could tell how hard it affected him. He so. was, he was in tears. Although was it just because, was it because he was so lonely and it disrupted his life that he was lonely not having him or was it because of Colm? I don't know. That's a, that's another good question. It, maybe that leaves that open. I don't know if that because I don't think he thought that much about who Colm was or why he was friends with Colm until after Colm decided not to be friends with him. Yeah, he just kind of thought we just talking like normal talking. Yeah, yeah. He did, he. There's not the the depth of thought is not there in Piedric that is there in Colm, which is why people thought that their friendship didn't make sense. Probably. Huh. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think the external thing that would cause Colm to make his decision would be like something like depression or psychosis, <laughs> witchcraft. No, I don't know. 
but it really is like loneliness and isolation and stubbornness the realization of his own mortality stuff like that yeah. kind of his mark on the world why isn't that you know why why would i value that but his what i mean by another the main decision that doesn't make sense is why would he cut off his fingers for this yeah why would he cut off his fingers to stop being friends with this guy who he thinks is so dull if i think someone is dull like you said i would take different i would do different actions i think his actions express an external agent as i said so yeah and that's that's pretty good for the characters i think overall the cinematography was pretty beautiful it was bleak it was kind of dark and yeah know, was, the ocean shots were pretty cool and it was a beautiful <laughs> island it was pretty green um yeah the acting overall was great in that because they would kind of use the landmarks as well throughout the throughout the movie um it, it, the script itself was hilarious the way that they talked there were many I felt like there were many modern references, like touche. <laughs> like these Irish people would not know what touche means. Maybe I don't know. He goes, "It's French," and Do- apparently Dominic knows French. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a funny moment because Dominic was supposed to be like super dull, like more dull than than uh, Piedric, and then he's like one upping Piedric in terms of like what he knows. Yeah. So that was that was kind of a funny moment. There were definitely parts at the early part of the film that like made me laugh which is where the comedy aspect comes in. I think it got a little bit more somber by the end, but Mm -hmm. like, unless you're like, think that the hyperbole of the whole situation is hilarious, which some people, it seems like some people, the mutilation was so intense that they wouldn't necessarily see that aspect. But I think if you, if you've watched enough movies that are like a little bit gory and gross, although I was glad that I was still glad they never actually showed really the finger like mutilation itself. That would have been hard to watch, I think, for me. But like think... everything else was like it wasn't really that bad, in my opinion. So, so then, like, you can see the the bigger picture and maybe like find it a little bit comedic too. Yeah, I was more grossed out by the donkey puke than the actual fingers. The stubs <laughs> didn't really affect me that much. No, you're like that's a finger; it's cut yeah. off. Whatever. But then I was like, you're a donkey puke. <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't touch touch that dead donkey. It's gross. But yeah. Um, <clears throat> There were many, many funny moments throughout the script. Just the way that they talked, they would, like, when the bartender would talk and then the other guy would just repeat him a thousand times. Oh, yeah, that was funny. And the other people, the way that just the relationships that they had were just kind of funny. Everybody picking on Dominic and the old, him him hiding behind the, the wall for the old lady. And oh, yeah, because he accused yeah. his sister of doing that and then he did it. I was yeah. like, oh, that was so clever. So there are a lot of, I think it's, a, what is it, comedy? tragic comedy 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 tragedy tragedy. i don't know something and black comedy sure whatever you want to call it and i think that goes to i think that's a pro i think the combination of those things makes this movie stick out because you will think about this movie and you can't not think about the comedy and you can't not think about how dark it was so yeah other when other movies you know you think of like uh you know everything everywhere all at once you just think of the craziness that happened or the whale you just think of the characters and but with this, you you do think of two things, comedy yeah. and uh, tragedy. So that's why I think it was awesome. And it kind of reminded me of a Quentin Tarantino movie a little bit, just a little bit less gory and a little bit less vulgar in their language. But they still had a lot of F-E-C gays in this. <laughs> but uh, there were... Uh, you don't feel as bad because they don't say like... Exactly. It's not the way that we say it. Yeah. It's not as bad. They do occasionally, though, and it seems to symbolize something when they... When they switch the E. Almost like it's worse. Yeah, it's worse when they switch the E to the U. That might just be us viewing it as a U.S. audience. Like when they pronounce it correctly, it's so much worse. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, there are a lot of... The language is coarse, but it's... it's, 
It's, I'd still say it's less vulgar than Quentin Tarantino movies in most aspects. But it reminded me of that because it's dark comedy and you have these characters who kind of have these dark things happening around them, like death and disease. And they're just kind of laughing about it almost or like nonchalantly walking past or thinking about other things real quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think there are a lot of things that make this film kind of feel different. I, you know, I'm not really one about feelings, but the aura, whatever you talk yeah. about this film, whatever. I don't the know. The missing scene. Maybe I could say the the style. The style would be a better yeah. term. The style of this film was pretty great. Just, it's very depressing. I came out of this film both. But so beautiful. Yeah, it was, I came out of this film like, that is really sad. And then I came out of this film like, that was really funny. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm not really sure if Salt and Sweet are always good together, but in this it was pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and I, I, yeah, there's the, you don't always recognize it, but like there are certain things like the lighting, like, or the coloring of the movie is just distinct in its own way. Like I can visually think about Colm's house because there were a lot of shots of yeah. the water and you can picture exactly where it is because they took advantage of the landscape. Yeah, I think it's the landscapes that maybe make everything stand out. And they had like the opening shot was came down on the farmland. The closing shot was like And they used up the on beach. The they used a lot of different like natural scenery mm-hmm. uh, throughout. With beautiful waves crashing in the background. So it is like, it's almost like ASMR. <laughs> Yeah, you have these guys talking about the stupidest things, saying cursing constantly while the waves are crashing in the background. <laughs> and it really is a slow movie, but there's by the time the movie is halfway, you feel like it could be over. You like, yeah. I think I was 45 minutes in, and I was thinking like, wow, this storyline and these characters are already so well developed because it starts. It doesn't give like a day when they were happy, and then gets into the plot. It starts right on. He goes up to his house and he's not talking. That's the yeah. first scene. So I think starting with that and then exploring the characters in this conflict, seeing how they react really gives more of who they are than let's give them what their normal looks like. And then let's put these stresses on them and see what's different. Like the scientific method. I think this is better in, yeah. in movie form. I think this is where people who want to study screenwriting, I'm obviously like, well, however you say his McDonald's name, McDonald's, McDonough, McDonald's. It's probably McDonough. That's probably what it is. Um, he makes it look easy, but he probably spent years developing like his skills to the point where he could write something like this. But like uh, a standard script that would have messed this whole movie up. Like it would have like, Oh, we have to have background information. We have to do this and that. I mean, a standard script, they wouldn't have even made this movie because it was in Ireland. It was too niche. Um, but because of McDonough's like specific angle that he has, and I'm guessing his, He's a playwright too. That probably at home, like, in a movie that relies on dialogue and very, very interpersonal connection. I'm guessing being a playwright probably lends itself well to like this style of movie. Um, and then you're working with actors who are like they want to be like, you know, good actors who are known for being in critically acclaimed movies, and you want to be nominated for the Oscars, like all those things. Um, but but you see how you can take like aspects of like traditional storytelling and then like bend the rules a little bit. It's like, you know, the rules, but then you can like bend them yeah. to fit your, your uh, specific vision. These the rules story. are bent. These people's teeth were great. <laughs> like a lot of the dialogue wasn't really accurate to the time and the setting. Um, their clothes yeah, I mean, were clean. You and didn't nice. feel like you were in 1923 Ireland or 1921 Ireland. Like, because I looked at this and I was like, I, I don't know where I am, but 
I, like it could have been any time and I would have believed it. Yeah. Like it makes sense that it's not modern because nobody had smartphones or anything, but like it just felt sort of ageless. Like it could have been any time in the 1900s. And were there vans back then? What's a bread van? Like That's true. What did, is a bread van? Was that a cart? Van? I mean, they had van. They had automobiles, so I guess it could have been red vans. I mean, I didn't know if they had them there. I'm, I just no, not know. on the island, I don't think. Okay, just on mainland, maybe? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just had a lot of bread. Um, it's pretty good. <laughs> Melon bread. And, of course, we didn't even really touch on, like, the religiosity of the movie. But, yeah. like, the <laughs> you see, like, their interactions with the priest, too. I don't know. I don't have too many interactions with priests, but this guy didn't seem like he was the <laughs> he was like the cream of the crop. And the yeah, priest this guy was great. He was real. This is the guy you want to. But tell like everything. none of these, like they see, they went to church and everything. But like, like none of the decisions they made were particularly like, uh, seemed that influenced by no. any sort of internal, uh, desire for to like do good based on God's standards or anything like that. So it was all like very surface level, like and ingrained in the culture that like you go to church, but it didn't seem like that important of an aspect when it came to individual decisions. Yeah. And it shows that the church is, the, the church was kind of wrong too. And the priest just like, yeah, the priest is like, how dare you accuse a man of the cloth? You're of, right. Right. He got, so, he got, he got so uh, like butthurt by a comment that was made that he couldn't even go on with that. He his made job. before. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, there are a few different things, um, but he also, the priest does bring out a, like, a few good thoughts, you know, like he's talking about like, you, well, you did sin. You were self-mutilating, something like that. And he's like, oh, well, you got me there five times over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, self-mutilation, that's not good. <laughs> but he's like, despair, not despair. Come on. But self, oh, yeah, you got me there. But, yeah, I mean, there. it just kind of shows what that would look like. And then the creepy nun lady, she looked like a nun, but I don't think she is. And she's a, like a, I don't know, I wanted to say a witch, but every time I saw her, she she like creeped me out and when she would when she was on the other side of the river and she was like making a face like and then she started moving her hand like come to me and it zoomed in on her on her like figure yeah. i was like oh my goodness this is the freaky <laughs> freaky lady right here um but yeah i didn't i mean i think she was she was fun to the plot because even she said one or two people could die to this week or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. She was like she became at first i was like oh she's just an old lady because she was just sitting chatting and then all of a sudden she was just this creepy figure. And then even at the end of the movie, she's watching them. I was trying to figure out what that symbolized. She I was just like, comes and sits down. She's just sitting the there house. watching them like converse. You're like, Oh, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of what, who I would like to be in the future. Just like walk around and all around the, our town then, and just talk to our friends and family and be like, someone's going to die this week. <laughs> <laughs> Make, you better pray. It's not you and your sister, <laughs> you know, something like that. And, just what just when people are having these terrible arguments in life and yeah. death, you just watch and I just like see a dead body in the river, poke the stick, bring the dad to it, and that's all I do. And right, right. Burning some sacrifice across the river and like come here. Like just Yeah. I would love that. And walking around at night and day, just never sleeping. I would love that. I'm already on track for that. It's <laughs> yeah. good. You already you already got that one figured yeah. out. Oh man. One day. Yeah. in short, I think the reason why I would vote this over everything everywhere all at once, although I like both of them because of this, is that this movie felt like it brought something unique and groundbreaking. I don't even know they're groundbreaking, but just so it was so itself. So like it didn't feel like I could. It's so you. I could reference a movie and be like, oh yeah, Banshees of Inisherin. It's like 
such and so. It was just such in its own universe and its own place. Maybe it was similar to In Bruges or whatever. So maybe like people would be like, oh yeah, it's just like that because it has the same actors and everything. People keep comparing it to that. So I think I need to so, watch that. So I need to watch In Bruges. But, but it just felt like in comparison to the other movies that were, uh, which I forget because there's like 10 movies that are nominated now. What did it used to be? I used to be like six. And then well, now they just, point, there's, we're oversaturated. So, so here are the movies that got nominated. It was Everything Everywhere All at Once, Top Gun Maverick, Women Talking, The Banshees of Ina Sheeran, Triangle of Sadness, The Fablemans, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar Way of Water, Elvis, and Tar. So out of those, I've seen one, two, three. I've seen half of them, which is kind of like more than I had expected to see. Uh, and then like the Fablemans, I can be like, okay, that's sentimental because Steven Spielberg, like there's no way that movie is like so good that uh, it's probably not one of Spielberg's best. The same thing with saying. Elvis. And I El- the audience reaction wasn't the best for that. Yeah. Even. I feel like Elvis is another one that's like, and even Avatar way of water. Like it's a good movie, but it just doesn't feel like it's not an Oscar movie. It doesn't feel like an Oscar, Oscar movie. movies have more characters. Tar. I'm guessing I would think I would have similar reactions to, to triangle of sadness. Maybe it would be a little bit more interesting because it's a character well, study. I need to watch Char because it's been compared to Whiplash. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's more of a character study, so I might like it. Triangle of Sadness, I felt like, was the epitome of all of the movies we watched last year where they were all about like the wealthy class and the lower class. And it was, I don't know, just kind of... Just getting tired of it. It just got tired, a tired plot point, And was I wasn't even Barbarian? sure... Barbarian? What were the ones that... Yeah, Barbarian, oh Vengeance was like that. Gosh. Um, uh, what's the the one with Harry Styles? Oh, yeah. Don't worry, darling. Don't, exactly. don't worry, darling. Yeah. All those movies to me are the exact same. Yeah. And, and they're so, forgettable. We're trying to remember them right now. Yeah. We're like, we can't even remember because they all just feel like the same movie. Um, like really like I would have rather the Batman been nominated than El- Elvis. Probably. That Maybe probably. I need to see Elvis. I don't know. Um, women talking. I have no opinion on cause I really have no idea. Top Gun Maverick is like a perfect, um, like, action popcorn movie but i i don't think it quite holds to the standard that they the oscars if had, it wasn't a sequel and this was a new idea introduced it wouldn't even so be i'm there. with only seeing half of them i'm willing to say that the two that should have been like competing competing for it was everything or everywhere all at once and the banshees of Ina Sheeran, and, and unfortunately <laughs> everything everywhere all at once Maybe I don't know that it really matters that much, but it like mopped the floor on every single one. I'm wondering if so the Fablemans would be in there. Maybe it could be. I, I could heard be underrated. It was really good. I, I, I could be underrating it, so. it. I've heard good things about it. But if out of the list of the ones that I've seen, I'll probably see Tar and then that next. Yeah, uh, all quiet on the Western. Wait, was front. the whale in there? The whale was not in there. Not I in think there for you, best picture. It wasn't in there for best picture. I think it just got like best actor and okay. maybe best something no sport. i think only best actor yeah and that one yeah yeah but i i would guess that aronofsky i don't know i would guess other movies did black swan get nominated that's my like go aronofsky although requiem for a dream is crazy he, yeah he has a he talk about somebody who has a style all, all directors end up having a style at some point michael other, bay style. otherwise other, yeah <laughs> otherwise people don't remember them True, it's the only way. Calm. You gotta be. Even remembered. Scorsese has a style, and he's made like probably the a ginormous variety of movies. Really, although he's made a decent amount of with mafia. the same people though. Yeah, so but he always has way. the same people. There's always consistency. A lot of times they have Italian accents. So I, overall, it's like I look at that list of ten movies, and I'm like, there really weren't like four or five movies that could have replaced some of those movies. But 
Maybe there were, maybe there weren't. I honestly think the whale should be above five of those. Yeah, probably. So I, I need to watch it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I need to watch it six times like Ben Avery. What? <laughs> Crazy. He watched it six times in theaters. Crazy. Yeah, that's I'm not I'm not gonna watch it again probably just once. It's good for me. It's kinda sad. Yeah. But Sadie Sink was good in that. But yeah. Overall I think <clears throat> I stand by the four stars. I think that's a fair assessment. I just think because I don't know. I don't have to explain myself, but I will. I think the five-star category is for those like groundbreaking movies where it clearly is groundbreaking. And this movie, not only would the audience liked it, but the critics uh, overall liked it. You know, fans of Martin uh, McDonough, McDonough, what is it? McDonough? McDonough. Whatever. Uh, fans of him might have been a little bit disappointed, but overall, I think I liked it. I need to watch his others uh, to see how they compare. And even if they're better, I think I'd still like this. Maybe it would push it down a little bit comparatively. But I think the style of this movie pushed it above. And it was just a combination. Like, I don't know what part of this movie was bad. You know, the acting, cinematography, writing. Um, yeah, style. I think it all fit together very well. Sure. And I don't see any dragging aspects of the film i don't even think the pacing was bad i think the pacing was fine i think maybe the only thing was there was some repetitive uh back and forth between but luckily they skipped from one finger to four fingers so that sped up the process if it was all five fingers separately that would be a three-hour movie so yeah what do you think i think i'm pretty i'm kind of on the fence between four and four and a half for this one I almost, I think I would probably give it four and a half just because I agree. It's not a five-star movie. It's not, it just, yeah, it just doesn't have that, just that not feeling. A sharp. doesn't have that feeling to me. It didn't make that big of an impact. Um, obviously sort of like of an evolutionary thing, like what is a five-star to me at any given moment, but this, it wasn't quite there, but it definitely has that like super impactful like if i wanted to study film i would be like this should be something that you should study to see uh like different things and then it just felt like unique and it had some heart but also like a little bit of the stuff that i like with the ambiguity and the sadness and and maybe showed like a little bit a side of life that's a little bit more depressing and sad but might uh, and might make you realize that like this is the way that some people that we interact with, maybe more people than we think are like, this is how they view life on a daily basis, exactly. even though they don't live in Ireland. Yeah, that's true. So I guess four stars, it will stay for you. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Well, I mean with that, I guess four star where we've, we've kept our consensus. We've been pretty even on many movies. I feel like we used to disagree more. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we just, I don't know, see things. So now we're just molded into the same person where <laughs> there's we're there's no Ben and Zach. It's just the movie vault. Sure. I'm just kidding. No, that's fine. <laughs> but then we'll have one of these moments where you cut me off and I just plead with you, Ben. Just I'll be like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. And you will, you're cut incorrect. Your, you will cut off your fingers. No, you will cut off your toes. So you can't run True. because your dream is to run because deep down you're, you're making irrational decisions and <laughs> you're just depressed <laughs> while I'm over here. And I, I was going to make like a whole joke at the start where I was like, Oh, I'm going to cut off my fingers. Zach, if you, you talk to me again and I did it now. <laughs> Great. And then I forgot about it. So 
Now, I, now I'm mad at you. This is the wedge that's driving between us. He beat me to my joke. <laughs> and, you know, people think I'm Irish because my red hair. Right. So I can claim, like, maybe I'm already jaded enough where my story arc is complete and I can just skip, just skip to the cutting off the toes. We'll be good. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I suppose we should. I suppose. We sh- I, I suppose that we should close the vault. Sure. We should cut the. Uh, that doesn't really work. Cut the vault? Cut the vault. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. That's why I said it doesn't work. <laughs> okay. We should close the door to the pub. Okay. At the bell, ready? Yeah. Three. Wait, do we have any things to say or no? Follow um, at the... Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really <laughs> bad at this. Um, So I was going to shout out our Letterboxd. Oh, that's good. Um, we because we are both active on Letterboxd. Oh, yeah, um, our separate accounts. Yeah. Yes. Titanium Vulture is mine. I don't, don't ask me. It's stupid. And mine's mine. also stupid. Mine is Zach, Z-A-C-H, 122420-122420. Yep. It's just two different ways of saying that. So, yep, just search us up. And if you find Titanium Vulture, you'll also find me on the friends list. Yep. So. And then um, the the Movie Vault Pod on Instagram, Movie Vault Pod on Twitter. <laughs> um, email us at themovievaultpod at gmail.com. Let's do a MySpace push. We should do a big push into if MySpace. If we get 10 followers on MySpace in the next year. I really th- love the idea of doing a Facebook group, but I w- need to do it at a time that I'll actually like do something and not just like start something and not do something. Just do it this summer. Yeah. So maybe in the summer we'll start a Facebook group and then that will like be how we decide. We'll <laughs> get our elderly s- generation. Uh, yeah. That, I think up. our demographic is really in the an older population range Seriously? truly no i just kidding no i think yeah I, I mean i know you're joking but we're really like mostly in the 18 to 22 range yeah we are because it's just you know we attract that well thing. the thing is we're also not like you know people since we're not that old i don't i don't think we'll attract as mature of an audience because they'll listen to us and they'll be like oh they're just kids they don't know just anything. wait until which might be true like i've only <laughs> logged it like a little over 500 movies on letterbox maybe check back with me when i'm at 1500 hopefully that's not soon but <laughs> just so i'm like actually doing useful things with my life but but uh and have like a little bit more experience hey when we have our jobs one day and we're still doing this yeah and somehow we, we review movies and then just randomly go out into talking about the healthcare system and how it's only deteriorated since 2023 yeah then we can get some traction going true we need to come up with like a clever, like a catch, like a hook. I don't know. Something. Something flashy and cl- clever. Yeah. You we know do- what I mean? Everything has a catch that gets people yeah. in. That's true. You know? We haven't got, we're only 85 episodes in. And I mean, we're still toying around with stuff. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you listened in the early days, you would hear the 10 point system. Um, we had all kinds of stuff. We had Britta moments with Britta for a while. Oh my gosh. We I had. about that. Um, so been a, it's been over a year. What else did we have? We definitely had some other stuff that we tried to do. Oh, we did a little news thing for a little bit. We did a little news. That was fun, but it, I liked it. It just took up time. It took up time. And now we have so much to say about the actual movies. Well, or not say. Well, this depending. movie's nice, yeah. <laughs> we, talk, we talked about, uh, will the other one go out before this? Yeah. We talked about, what was it? National Treasure. We talked about it for like five minutes. and talked about I don't even know that we talked about it for five minutes. Yeah, that's not a mandatory episode to listen to. No. It's more of a... That's like a spinoff of the canon. There's yeah. definitely ones... I was listening to another podcast, and they did like... In their, it was like their 300th episode or something, Ooh. and they did like a... Um, I'll just shout out the podcast. It's called The Greatest Moments of Our Lives, because one of the guys from the podcast, I followed him on Letterboxd, and he followed me back, so I thought that was cool. Wow. So I'm shouting them, shouting them out. 
Uh, maybe I'll shout him out on actual letterbox too. But anyway, my point with this is that they did a Donnie Darko <laughs> episode and, uh, early on. And then they were like, Oh, we didn't think that was that good. So we revisited it. And I'm like, well, yeah, we'll probably do that at some point. Like there'll just probably with, be some just movies. with the ones worth doing. Yeah. Just with the ones that we're not sure. doing. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about which ones we would do that with. But I was I just thought that was that was interesting. And also it was just like they started in like twenty sixteen and we're still doing it in like twenty twenty three. And it's like slowly they had gotten a I don't even think they're huge, but they'd gotten a little bit bigger. Do you think so we'll ever like, solidify some type of structure? I don't know. Are we like structured people? I don't know. This is an off cast conversation. I think I think I think in order to do that, we would have to do more research before our podcast. Alright, then we will never ever have a structure. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then maybe sometimes we'll like I would love to do more research, but have that means studio. that I need to implement even more discipline into my life. I think it'll be more like seasons. It'll be yeah. seasons of structure. Seasons. I, of I honestly think we'll have seasons of podcasts. Sure. Too. I think we'll it will we won't probably we never have and we probably never will do fifty two podcasts in a year that are all fifty two straight weeks. But that's we've okay. Done, I think we've done about thirty per. We've year. done about thirty per year. Yeah. It's been over three years, and I think that's healthy. But maybe we could like make it more defined for the listeners sure. at some point. Anyway, now that you, uh, if you've even stayed tuned for our on on, uh, oh, we're still talking on this, podcast conversation. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll actually shut the vault now. Yeah, what are we gonna do next? Do we know have any idea? After no. finals, though, I have finals probably after week. finals. We'll probably hammer some multiple ones. I think we should do a series, another yeah. series. I liked the Lord of the Rings. One. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Somebody was wanting me to do a series. Someone wanted us to do. Harry Potter, but that's no, like eight movies. That's my that's my answer. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, maybe we'll find a different a different series. What about that M Night Shyamalan one? How about Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> Marvel, every single Marvel one. Yeah, in every episode. I, I think I listened to a podcast that that's how they started. They started by reviewing every single Marvel movie up to that point. Then, yeah. But oh. now that everyone's done that. <clears throat> no, I think it was Matt Crosby. Matt follow Matt Crosby on. We should do. I don't know. We can we can think about it. All right. Well, we'll do a series soon, and maybe Paddington. <laughs> yeah, maybe Paddington. <laughs> That's just something I thought of. And um, we actually have a couple people that we wanted to get on. It's just those people have been busy. We've been busy. Yeah, we had we had a couple things on my end that was I had some exciting things, and then I I messed it up. But that's okay. Maybe eventually we'll get those things to work out. It's all right. Um, I also have a prospect I haven't told you about. I'll let you know. All right. So all right. With that, I'll uh, say the closing vault. Okay. Ding 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 time to go to the pub. Bow, bow, bow. So?